0: Okay, we are continuing in Daniel chapter 5. We covered a large part of this last time. And so let me just re- recap after we, after we read through this chapter. Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar was king. The king held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles. And he was drinking wine in the presence of thousands. When Belshazzar tested the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels, which Nebuchadnezzar's father had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale, his thoughts alarmed him, and his hip joints went slack and his knees began knocking together. The king called aloud to bring in the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners. The king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, Any man who can read this inscription and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple and have a necklace of gold around his neck and have authority as third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the inscription or make known its interpretation to the king. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed and his face grew even paler and his nobles were perplexed. The queen entered the banquet hall, because of the words of the king and his nobles, the queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, Chaldeans and diviners. This was because an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas, and solving of difficult problems were found in in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Let Daniel now be summoned and he will declare the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king and the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you the Daniel who is the one, the one of the exiles from Judah? Whom my father, the king, brought from Judah. Now I've heard about you that a spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. Just now, the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me, and that, that they might read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me. But they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you, that you're able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you are able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts for yourself or give your rewards to to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. King, O king, the, the most high granted sovereignty, grander glory and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar your father. Because of the grandeur which he he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished he killed, whomever he wished he spared alive, and whomever he wished he elevated, and whomever he wished he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne, and his glory was taken from him. And he was also driven away from mankind, and his heart was made like that of beasts. And his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle, and his body was drenched with dew from heaven, until he recognized that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and that he sets over it whomever he wishes. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this, but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven. And you have brought the vessels of his house before you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, and you've been drinking wine from them. And you've praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand, but the God in in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways you have not glorified. Then this hand was sent from him, and its inscription was written out. Okay, so we covered last time that this is. Uh, Somewhere around 25 years after the death of Nebuchadnezzar, there were four different kings, and Nabonidus was now king. Nabonidus, though, lived in Arabia, didn't like to live there, so he appointed his son, Belshazzar, king. Belshazzar was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. They refer to Nebuchadnezzar as his father, but they also refer to Abraham as the father of Jews today. So this idea of father is not in the context as we say father, it's just a direct descendant. So that's why they say father. And, and uh, the Medes and the Persians were combined and they had now conquered all the kingdoms, all the provinces around Babylon had, had fallen. The city of Babylon alone was left. The Medes and the Persians were assaulting the gates. The, the, uh, the Euphrates River ran right under the, this, this, uh, th- this wall, right through the middle of of Babylon, which was 15 miles square with a huge stone wall around it, brick wall around it. And so it was impenetrable, but what the Medes and the Persians did is they diverted, they diverted the Euphrates River and went under the wall with the Euphrates River. And this is, this is reported by a number of historians. So we have this from many extra-biblical sources on how this attack was done. But prior to their getting in, there was a feast that Belshazzar was holding, Belshazzar was holding for a thousand of his nobles to somehow encourage them that don't worry about this. He starts drinking and he calls in the vessels, the very vessels that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Judah when he had overcome that city. And by this time, Daniel is somewhere between 81 and 86 years old. So he has served a long time under many kings. He's quite well established. Under Belshazzar, though, we find that Daniel is no longer, no longer ruling the, the Chaldeans, no longer president of the, of the Bible college there, no longer in that place. Because when he called in the Chaldeans to give him this interpretation, he wasn't even one of them. He would definitely have been one of them on the initial call had he been head of that school. So he had been deposed from that at some point. Daniel doesn't go into it. Daniel just gives us little snippets of his life. This was a direct disdain by Belshazzar for his father, for Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather's conversion. Nebuchadnezzar was dramatically converted to faith. Came to know the God of Israel and we read in Daniel chapter 4 the conversion experience and how his whole demeanor changed. He went from saying, I'm going to tear you limb from limb to welcoming peace to people. Nebuchadnezzar's heart truly changed. This was shortly before the end of his life, somewhere a a number of of less than a decade before the end of Nebuchadnezzar's life when his conversion took place. So he didn't live a very long time after that conversion, but certainly enough to give large testimony. And Belshazzar, his son, this was not just ignorance. Belshazzar knew this because Daniel said, you knew all this occurred. You knew it. And, and yet, you didn't change. You knew what happened. This was in direct contrast. And there is a difference between acting in ignorance and acting in disdain and contempt for the Word of God. And this is, this is the difference that we're going to see. So, Daniel now comes and he gives the interpretation of the writing. And, and you'll see that, that that Belshazzar, the, 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 the king, who's actually number, number two in the kingdom, his father, Nebunaitis, his king, is at this point, Nebunaitis has been captured by the Persians and is imprisoned in, in Persia at this time. And, and so this is why Belshazzar offers third in the kingdom, because Belshazzar him, himself was second because Nebunaitis was still alive. And and uh, um, why would be why would Belshazzar get so utterly scared? Now, of course, it is alarming. You see a hand rise up and start writing something on the wall, but he was unable to stand. His knees went slack. He knew there was a message there. He knew there was a real problem because he, in defiance—something his father Nebuchadnezzar had never done—was to drink out of these very vessels. That had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem. This was such an act of disdain. Where he had his wives now drinking out of it. And his concubines drinking out of it. And they were praising not the God of Israel. But praising the gods of of gold and silver. Of stone. That he knew he had done wrong. So when that writing came. He knew that that writing was for him. If we do wrong. We know it. If we commit wrong, we know it. And we have reason to be fearful. A man who commits a crime never sleeps very well. When we've done wrong, we know it. That's why the Scriptures constantly call us to repentance. Constantly calling us to a place of repentance. So that we can deal with issues in our lives. Places of confession. If you've committed a crime, you confess to that crime And you say, Lord, upon you I cast myself. And you go and you confess to the crime. If you've done something wrong to another person, you confess to that. And that's why the Scriptures are constantly calling us to a time of repentance. Constantly calling us. And the Lord's Supper is a time when we are to confess our sins to the Lord. If it involves another person, we go to that other person. And it's it's difficult to do this. But it is something we do, and that frees us. The Scriptures call us to being free from this sort of thing. Now let's look at verse 25. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Afarazin. This is the interpretation of the message. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. So remember, there were these combined forces, the Medes and the Persians were combined and were now taking over the world. And they were right at the door of this city. And he says to them, he interprets this, and and, uh, um, uh, Hebrew scholars can actually interpret this as well. It is an old form of Hebrew. Hebrew doesn't put vowels in there, and it is an old form of Hebrew that was written there. And, and so it was very easy for Daniel to read. Remember, half of the book of Daniel is written in Hebrew, the other half is written in Aramaic. This is an old form of Hebrew, different than the Hebrew that is spoken in Israel today. And, and uh, um, so you, you, can, you can actually, and in fact, the Hebrew that's spoken in, in Israel today uses Aramaic script. The script of Babylon, that is the Hebrew script that's actually used today, just like we will use use Latin script. And and, um, so he interprets this. So this is quite devastating. He says, this is the interpretation. God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. So he is telling the king, this is the end. He's numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. You didn't measure up. Your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and the Persians. Verse 29, Then Belshazzar gave orders and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as third ruler in the kingdom. That same night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. So you see, Darius was not Persian. Darius was a Mede functioning with the Persians. The Persian king was Cyrus, who was over Darius. But of the province of Babylon, Darius had been assigned. Darius was a Mede. He had been assigned. And you see the way Daniel describes this. He says that same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. Daniel still had great respect for the kings. He didn't go into great detail to tell us how Belshazzar was killed. He didn't tell us, oh, you know, the soldiers ran in and grabbed Belshazzar by his neck and spit in his face and humiliated him. He didn't go into any detail. He just says he was slain. Daniel was an amazing man of dignity with enormous respect for his overlords, the kings. But Daniel proclaims exactly what the Lord had said. This is an interesting thing because in Hebrews chapter 9, it says it is appointed for all men. This is Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed for all men to die and then comes judgment. It is appointed for all men to die and then comes judgment. So judgment follows death. After death comes judgment. And there are two men in the Bible that are spoken of that never underwent physical death. Enoch was taken before he died, taken directly into heaven. And Elijah was taken directly into heaven. And that's why in the book of Revelation, when it says two men will return, it is believed that that, those are going to be Enoch and Elijah and they will return at the, at the uh, midpoint of the tribulation, and they will be killed, and so they will then undergo their death, and then they will rise again after that, that, that death. But it says it was appointed for all men to die, and then comes judgment. This was a unique experience. Belshazzar got his judgment before he was ever killed. Before he ever died, his judgment was proclaimed by God generally, you die and then God proclaims the judgment. Here, He is confronted with this and then He goes on as if nothing happened. Bring in the royal robes and put this on. As if something can cover this up. And this is not unusual. A man, a woman can be confronted. We can be confronted with our sin and go on as normal. As if everything is just fine. Somehow, if I bring this back to normalcy, then everything will go away. This is what goes through our minds. You see how deceptive our minds are. We can be sitting in a church service and, and, and the pastor is speaking and all of a sudden it reminds us of something that we've done that we need to make confession for. Something that we need to deal with. And we don't deal with it. We act as if as soon as that's, over, as, as that's over, we just go as if life were normal again. We just want to pass over this thing thinking that somehow it will go away. Somehow this proclamation. I mean, you would think after hearing something like this, that, that uh, um, God has numbered your kingdom, it's come to an end. You've been weighed in the scales and found deficient. Your kingdom is divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. He just said, uh-oh this is a come-to-Jesus moment. (laughs) This is something I have to deal with now. That's what you would think. But no, he just says, okay, let's just get on with the rest of it. This is how deceptive our hearts are. Remember, when the Lord is speaking to you, when the Lord speaks to us, we have to deal with this. There's something we have to deal with. Daniel had warned Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel was able to reveal to him what the dream was and the interpretation of the dream. Nebuchadnezzar was... was uh, he saw Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego thrown into a fire and then come walking out of it and their clothes were not even singed. Still didn't turn his heart. He has another dream of a great tree. And Daniel interprets that dream and says that tree that was cut down is you. And you're going to undergo seven years of being like an animal, eating the grass of the field. And still his heart was not turned. And Daniel warned him, he says, you know, you can delay this thing if you show some mercy to the poor. He was trying to give him a way out of this thing. And then he went through seven years of, of, of being insane, Nebuchadnezzar did, until his, he looked up toward heaven, as it says in Daniel chapter 5, and he realized that heaven rules. He realized that heaven rules. And here is what he says, this is what Daniel says to Belshazzar, in, in, uh, this is in, in uh, Daniel chapter 5, the end of verse 23, long, long verse, but the end of verse 23 it says, but The God in whose hand are your life, breath, and all your ways you have not glorified. Did you know in God is your very life, breath, and all your ways? One day, you're going to be lying down on your deathbed. Remember this verse. In God is your life, breath, and all your ways. In God is everything. In God in whom is your life, breath. Every breath you take is a gift from God. Every breath you take is a gift from God. In God is your life breath and all your ways. And what he's saying is you've not glorified him. He, he's weighed in the scales and he is found deficient. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3. The book of Acts in the New Testament chapter 3. And we, we will see one of the differences here. Acts chapter 3, and if you look down in uh, verse 17, this is when Peter had preached a message on the day of Pentecost. And he says, And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that His Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent And return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Look at what he says. He says, I know that you acted in ignorance. When you agreed with the rulers to hang Jesus on that cross, I know that you acted in ignorance. This was out of ignorance. This was not an act of defiance. This was not an act of contempt. This was out of ignorance. This is so often what we do. Out of ignorance, we do something that is wrong. And he says, he, he says, both you did it and your rulers. It was an act of ignorance. He says, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that His Christ would suffer, He has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent... And return. Repent means turn and return. Return to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's telling them. So that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you. Now he says, Jesus the Christ has been appointed for you. Repent and return, and times of refreshing may come. This is the beautiful thing of the gospel, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You go back and you read, if you missed those Bible studies in Daniel chapter 4, about the conversion of Nebuchadnezzar. Watch how he introduces that chapter, Nebuchadnezzar, as he's writing. You see a totally different Nebuchadnezzar than in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Upon his conversion, and then then he starts recounting something from the past, and then at the end of that chapter, he goes into speaking then again in the first person. And you see how it totally changed the man. When God fills a person, their attitude changes. And God woos us and draws us into a place of peace. begins to change. I just got an email this morning from a friend of mine in Canada. He's a professor there. And he was saying how he has been teaching an online course, and there's a woman from Ghana who's been taking this course, a Muslim woman who's married with three children, and she's been taking this course on the Bible as literature. And he's been teaching this class online, and then he's been communicating with her. And she says this woman, he could just see what she was writing changing over the the weeks as he's been teaching her there online. And she wrote to him, she said, my husband has been asking me, why am I being so nice these days? And I told him, because I've been reading from the Bible in this class about the kindness of Jesus, and I've been working with this very kind professor in Canada. And so even her husband is seeing this difference in her. What I'm telling you, you interact with Jesus and He changes you. He changes you. I know what He did in my own life upon my coming to Jesus. How He changed me where I was always thinking about thoughts of suicide and wanting to end it and and upset about so many things in life. And how God changed me. He changed my heart. That's not to mean that I have no more struggles. It just means that there is a victory there in Christ. I remember when I started to meet believers, Christians... And how we would sit in the cafeteria and I'd eat with them, and I realized these are very different people than the people that I had known growing up. Because I grew up in a Jewish community. And then I was going and I was meeting these Christians who were truly born again, who had given their lives to Jesus, and just hearing the way they spoke, the way they interacted with one another. And it's exactly like Jesus said He said, They will see your love one for another. They will know you by your love one for another. They will know that you are my children by the way you love each other. And that I saw, I was really impressed by their love for one another. And it, it, it appeared to me that indeed they began, they knew God. It was very different. They, I had acted solely in ignorance. I had never defiantly stood up. And torn up a Bible and said, "I hate this stuff." It was it was purely out of ignorance. I didn't know. Look at look at what Paul says. Turn to First Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one. Now remember, Paul was a persecutor of the church. Paul Paul persecuted uh, uh, the church, and what he did is he took letters. He got letters from the high priest to go and to bring believers from. From, uh, um, from Damascus, and He was going to bring them in chains back down to Jerusalem. And He says in, in verse 12 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. He says, I acted ignorantly. Here is a man who even says he was a blasphemer, but he didn't know he was acting ignorantly. What Belshazzar did was very different. Some may say, well, why didn't God give Belshazzar a chance? Look, he he gave Nebuchadnezzar all of these chances. Yes, he gave Nebuchadnezzar this this witness from Daniel and his three friends about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Nebuchadnezzar turned. And what Daniel says to Belshazzar in in Daniel chapter 5 is, you knew all these things. You knew all these things. Belshazzar had seen it. Belshazzar had witnessed the change in his grandfather. From being a violent and aggressive man to being a man who brought peace and welcomed peace to others. After him, he was followed by by, uh, four different kings and then Belshazzar. And so you see that that, uh, different people have different ways of being exposed to the Lord. Think about the disciples. The disciples had were eyewitnesses to the Lord. If you turn to to uh, to John chapter twenty, look in the book, book Gospel according to John chapter twenty. You will see that that uh, in John chapter twenty, what's happening here is is uh, Thomas, Thomas had not seen the Lord, the others had. And Thomas said, I won't believe the Lord. I won't believe that He's risen from the dead unless I stick my fingers into the holes in His hands and stick my hand into the hole in His side. Only then will I believe. And Thomas was was a very influential disciple. For eight days they waited for Thomas. They were supposed to go up to, to Galilee. But Thomas wouldn't go because he didn't believe that Jesus was alive. In verse 26, it says of John chapter 20, After eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed Blessed are they who do not see me and yet believe. So what he says is that you see me and you believe, but there are many who are not going to see me, and they are even more blessed when they believe. And then John goes on to say in verse 30, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe, That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. So John even testifies, you guys aren't going to see this anymore. Jesus has already risen from the dead. Yet sufficient evidence has been given through the Word of God that's impressed by the Holy Spirit, sufficient for us to believe. Let me tell you what happens to you every week when you come here. And I love people visiting this class who are unbelievers. But let me tell you what happens. When you come here and you don't believe in Jesus and you hear week after week after week about Jesus and you continue to not accept him in your heart, it actually makes it worse on you. Because being presented to you week after week is the testimony of the scripture. And I beg you, open up your hearts and receive him, receive him into your hearts. The testimony of scripture is true. This is being displayed to you. So what John is saying, you're not going to see this anymore. You're not going to see it anymore. But what you're going to have is you're going to have a testimony. You're going to have a witness. The witness of the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit driving it home to your hearts is what's going to happen. That Jesus Christ has risen from the dead is a very odd thing to have to believe. But we must confess that Jesus is Lord, it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And we must confess, confess that He is Lord and believe in our heart that He's risen from the dead. So His resurrection from the dead is a hurdle. It is something we must grasp. But it, He never would have put that before us if it were not a surmountable hurdle. If He did not witness the truth to that in the Scriptures based on eyewitness accounts, and through His Word. This is what He did. Through the Scriptures and through His Word, He did this. He has witnessed this to us. And this is why we must come. If the Lord is impressing something upon your heart, say you're a believer, and the Lord is impressing something on your heart that you need to do. Don't ignore that. Don't just brush it aside like Belshazzar did, and just try to get on with normalcy and think that that thing is going to go away. Deal with it. If there's something, someone to whom you need to ask forgiveness, commit to go and to speak with them and ask forgiveness. And it's not a difficult thing in the sense that you can go in and out very quickly. You can say, this is what I've done. I'm very sorry. Would you please forgive me? You don't have to belabor it. If you've taken money, give the money back. If you've taken money from an organization or from a person, go to them and say, I don't have the money but I will pay you back. Let me make payments. Let me make installments. Get this off your shoulders. Don't act as if it never happened, thinking that it will go away. Every time you hear a message, it will come kicking that closet door open. You think it's just a skeleton in the closet, but it will always kick that door open because God wants to deal with our hearts. He wants purity in the life of the believer. He's called us to something different. If God is working on your heart, to accept this Jesus. Don't wait any longer. Don't think, oh, well, you know, I'll do it next year or I'll do it when I graduate or I'll do it, you know, when I'm settled in. Don't wait. You don't know what the future holds. Life can change on a dime in an instant. It can turn. Come to the Lord. Don't let this thing go away because the witness again and again is before this, before us. And this is exactly what happened to Belshazzar when he heard that word instead of saying, oh, well, just, bring out the robe and put it on Daniel as if nothing happened. He should have fallen on his knees and repented. And you think, well, that wouldn't have worked. It probably would have. The same thing happened to to, uh, King Ahab. King Ahab was a wicked man. Wicked man. And a prophecy came prophesying his destruction and the destruction of his kingdom. And when he heard it, it hit him right in his heart. He clothed himself with sackcloth and ashes And he wept before the Lord. And God told the prophet, go back to him. You see him weeping? Go back to him and tell him that none of this is going to happen in his lifetime. God relented. God turned. God changed as a result of this man's repentance. God does this. So when He gives us a word, when He speaks to our heart, don't just go on acting as if nothing has happened. Turn, take that step and turn to Him. Turn to Him because the Lord often relents. He turns and He softens His heart as soon as our hearts become humbled. Daniel said to Him, You did not humble your heart even though you knew about your Father. You knew it. You saw Him turn. You saw Him turn His heart and His life. Yet you disdained. You had contempt for Him. It wasn't just an act of ignorance. You took a conscious act of contempt. Just that Word should have driven Him to His knees. Let it draw us to our knees. Let's pray. Abba Father, I thank You so much for Your Word. Abba, turn the hearts, I pray. Take the heart of the believers here and turn them to You. Father, I pray that their hearts would soften so that as you speak to them, that they would soften their hearts and turn to you. Father, if there are things that they need to confess of and repent of and pay back and make restitution, Father, may they do it. Father, if a student has has cheated on a take home exam, has dishonored you in that. Father, I pray that you bring them to a point of confession. To you and to the one whom they have offended in that. Father, I pray that you would bring us to a place of honesty. That we wouldn't take your word lightly. And Lord, I pray for the unbelievers here. The many here that do not know you. Oh Lord, draw them to Jesus, I pray. Draw them to Jesus. Turn their hearts to you. Father, may their hearts often and turn them to Jesus let them not go past this point past this day turn them to you O Lord and I pray father that even now in this time they would bow their hearts and say Lord forgive me because I'm a sinner and come into my life Lord may they wait no longer have mercy on them, their souls because they're acting in ignorance Have mercy on their souls, I pray, for the glory of Jesus. Amen.